Thanks for accepting the the mon. Yeah, it's it's awesome to chat, man. I I you know I don't think we've ever really talked that much before, so this is a yeah pleasure to meet you, man. It's uh you know nice to meet it's you. Super inspired by the work you do all the time, so it's uh. I don't know. I'm bad okay. at like connecting with people. So, <laughs> so it's no, good to like do it. No, thank you. Thank you for that. And and likewise, obviously, I've been a fan of your work for the longest time. And this uh, actually doing this podcast thing is my way of connecting back with some of the people I've known through the years and getting to know a few, a few a new ones. So, yeah, I hear you on that. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, no, that's, that's super cool. I'm glad you're doing it because I think that's like, um, I don't know. I think the the people you probably know is a wide, vast range of interesting, yeah. creative people. Just because that's the the industry that we're in is that you get to meet like so many different interdisciplinary fucking weirdos and that are doing <laughs> yeah. cool shit. So that's awesome. Look forward no. to it. Man. I saw you you you, you interviewed Danny. So that's great. Yeah, yeah. I, I I spoke with Danny before. You're my second guest, so I, I spoke oh, with cool. Danny before you and. Um, I have a, a, a kind of a, um, a wish list of people that I wanted to talk to. And surprisingly to me, everybody said yes. And I'm not really sure why, but <laughs> not sure they know what they're getting into. But uh, I, I think it's just I think it's just really fun. I, I know I want to hear the stories. So as long as as I'm having fun and finding it interesting, I'll just I'll just keep doing it. Um, and I, yeah. you, you've always been in the back of my mind. I've, I've been keeping track of your career for, for a while now. And actually, um, I, I was, I think I was talking to Ryan Summers, who I think you know from the DK days, and he, he kind of has the same op opinion as me that he was talking about main titles and the state of main titles right now. And I, the work that you've been doing lately is, you know, to me is amazing and it's more importantly it feels different which i think is something mm. i i feel strongly about and this is something i want to talk to you about uh, further down the line but you know you know how these things go i have to start with the <laughs> the origin story for you so what uh, how did you end up doing this what's your what's your what's your story basically mm. take us back wow Take us back. Well, it started with me copying the drawings of my brother. <laughs> uh, he, he was a huge influence on me artistically. And, you know, there was always an element of like, oh, that's, there's a creative bone in my body. But I was never really a good drawer. You know, I don't think, mm -hmm. you know, when you're just starting out, like you're, you're just emulating the people you look up to early on. Uh, but quickly, I kind of found myself really interested. And this was like, you know, the 96 era-ish of timeline that um, computers, man, and just like sitting behind a computer, I, I would spend entire evenings up until like five in the morning waking up and then my parents would come in and be like run in my bedroom and act like I was sleeping. But what I was doing was just <laughs> downloading software and learning like weird things about typography and doing fake logo projects and, you know, that kind of stuff using weird video hookups to the computer just to like experiment around. It was very like, I don't know what I'm doing, but this is really mm -hmm. exciting. Yeah. And so that excitement is what just has always kind of driven me to, to just do different things. And, and, you know, um, and that led to learning and wanting to do more with graphic design specifically. Um, 
And I knew right away in high school, like I wanted to be what I would consider a graphic designer. There's actually a quote in the yearbook because I was the editor of the yearbook um, that I put in there that was like very arrogant about me wanting to be like knowing what I wanted to do in my life kind of thing. Um, and um, yeah, and then I went to art school and I'm like, wow, this kind of sucks. <laughs> you know, like, oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I, I wasn't I was I went to Columbia College in Chicago here, which is like a you know art school. And, you know, I I got thrown into like, you know, drawing classes and and that wasn't <laughs> what I was like excited about. You know what I mean? Like I was excited yeah. about technology and and art through the lens of like new media. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I picked up, you know, Flash and really started there from a standpoint of like my first, uh, you know, exposure to the timeline if you could put it that way right like i'd always been thinking through the lens of you know individual frames yeah yeah Yeah. frames and um i mean you know what flash was that was the era of you know like preloading screens and you know these like (laughs) um these design blogs that were like super inventive and and like it was a wild west of the internet meeting like new media and it was really exciting um and so i actually i got the opportunity to intern at a place called kudel partners which was at the time like a very i remember influential, that yeah influential blog it was like yeah uh you know cuban council k10k you know design oh, man. that's taking me back to all those yeah. things were just <laughs> dude yeah <laughs> and somehow jim kudel gave me an opportunity to go like go hang out and eat meatball sandwiches and post things to the internet that was like basically my job <laughs> along with you know designing things for local chicago you know yeah. uh, brands and things and um and at that time is when I really got exposed to motion graphics because I, w- I went back to school. I actually left Columbia for a year and was an intern at Kudel and then went to the Illinois Institute of Art where I he was exposed to After Effects. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, this is kind of interesting, like, you know, exposed to it in a way that like it started to make more sense. And I could play with animation in, um, in compositing. And mm-hmm. I had no idea what I was doing. You know, I, I remember... Um, putting together some projects and then uh, I was looking for another gig somewhere because I was like, oh, this Kudel thing is pretty fun, but I actually am excited about, you know, where this motion thing could go. And um, I think I did a, I think I saw a post on K10K uh, or Design is Kinky for this company called Digital Kitchen, which I had never heard of. And I was, they were looking for like a junior designer and I'm like, who's Digital Kitchen? And I'm like, this is cool. And I'm like, wait a minute, they're doing like stuff that like I know, <laughs> like on this thing <laughs> called TV, you know, and I'm like, this is here in Chicago. It, it kind of blew my mind. And so I quickly put together like three really bad like student projects that I was working on. And um, and at Kudel, we also had this thing called jewel boxing, which was like we sold these DVD cases to to artists to make really cool like dvds that was how like you put your reel out in the world right and so i put together a really nice package it looked really good (laughs) but the content (laughs) was you know pretty subpar and i sent it over and sure enough like for some reason they they called me to come in and talk to them because they maybe saw something interesting in what i was doing and i remember like this was the early 2000s or yeah this was like 2002 ish something like that right right 
And um, and I remember going in and talking with, uh, it was Ryan Dunn, who is the ECD of a Charlux now, and then uh, Paul Schneider, who was um, is now a commercial director. But, you know, I went in there with my, like, portfolio book. I had printed out frames of my reel <laughs> onto paper and, oh, like, wow. flipped through it like a like i was a student <laughs> and um and yeah and so i remember thinking to myself like what is happening this is weird and um they're like okay cool like this is this is cool stuff do you want to you want a job here and i'm like yeah let's go um <laughs> and so yeah and so i got thrown into a project my first project ever was with you know andre stringer who Wanted to go yeah, yeah. to Shiloh. Yeah. Danny, Danny was sitting next to me. Uh, Vince Haycock, who's a really amazing um, uh, director, a uh, commercial music video director now. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was like, these were people that were like at their prime of. Those guys were all amazing. Yeah. 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 The, like the Wild mm-hmm. West of, of motion graphics. And here I'm at, I didn't even know like how to set up a comp correctly to output it right for like, um, TV. Like I didn't even know the difference between you know the resolutions and formats. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay. I remember like the second or third day, I was always, this is the craziest thing. I was always um adding directional blur to mimic motion blur. Cause motion I didn't blur. know there was because I didn't know there was a button in After Effects you could push to turn motion blur on. Like that's right. how right. that's how much of a risk they like put into me and i'm like okay i gotta take advantage of this well i, I didn't know so, yeah. about about comps i didn't know you could pre pre-comp stuff so all my yeah. an- animations were one single timeline and i would fake <laughs> transitions that was that yeah. was crazy yeah yeah so yeah i feel you <laughs> yeah so it, it it that started there and you know obviously you know having the mentorship of those types of people was invaluable i mean it's it's you know that experience like it was like a super super boost to being exposed to not only like creative thinking but like how to work together as a team how to like push each other how to make everybody better because that was like the time in which you know it was experimental you know i mean Mm -hmm. it was and so i bless myself every day to think about like (laughs) <laughs> like to be thrown into that fire um and and i never left i mean i ended up just like living at that studio for years and years and years um until i you know until i you eventually got better and did, yeah. you know moved on so and that progressed into a whole bunch of other things and it ended up you know after 17 years of, of being at dk and leaving the company is wow 17 um, years yeah. That's a long time, yeah. 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 And so, you know, my my roots are in that company and in the philosophy of what we were about, which was, you know, pure distillization of an idea into a core truth or concept, right? And it was about like it, you know, you've you've heard it before. It's yeah, it, especially when it comes to main titles and and how you're trying to access some sort of genius there like there's something that you can find you just gotta like dig deep enough deep enough to figure it out and then you can find a way to express that in an unexpected way and that makes Um, a lot of sense because that's what i see in your work 
that's what I see. That's what I also always saw in Danny's work because he, he went through yeah. VK as well, and that was very formative for him. And and yeah. you can tell, you know, what you just said of um, trying to find the, the truth of the story or whatever you're working on. Uh, you can clearly see that in, in your work, and um, and I, I miss seeing that in 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 in, in projects. Um, so yeah, I, I so I would so would just say that DK was, you know, seventeen years. That that's got to be really uh, an important milestone for you, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I definitely. I remember writing the letter from when I told everybody I was going to move on to a different thing, and. Um, <laughs> I basically, you know, our, our URL at the time was this is DK. And I was like, I can kind of say that about me. Like I could point to myself and say like, this is DK in That's the sense cool. that like, it yeah. was, I didn't have anything really else that it was just such a, an important part of who I was. And so, you know, I think we've, that company obviously expanded, contracted, we started to explore how, um, you know, our perspective on design, main titles, or storytelling, I guess you could say, yeah. could be influential in other arenas. And so, you know, we were just naive, in a way, to where we were putting our foot. And somehow, we were doing interesting things. Um, because we weren't really looking at, we were really bad, at least at the Chicago office of like, looking at what was what other people were doing honestly or even hmm. um you know thinking about trends because we thought about things at its core about what it was that we were trying to tell through a, a storyline um and so you know there was this new wild west we went from motion graphics there was now this thing called experience design that started exactly. to kind of bubble yeah. up yeah and we were like well this is interesting like we're not seeing the, the level of quality in this arena that, um, you know, we were expecting. A lot of it was, you know, more or less video screens with generative screensavers on it embedded <laughs> into like a, a architecture. Right. And yep, it was, yep, yep. and it was like, man, like there's a level of filmmaking and cinematic quality we can bring to these types of environments that, that feel timeless. Everything felt very much like the pixel is very fleeting especially when it's used as a material within spaces. Mm -hmm. And so we were like, you have to like overcome that, that element of this is just temporary uh, because it is a pixel because architecture is not architecture is, is stone and materiality and permanent. So and that's so a different, we were, that's a different mindset, right? To think about it that way, a different mindset from television. Totally. Yeah. I mean, but honestly at digital kitchen we were always trying to create things that were timeless anyways like you know it right. it was something that it's hard to kind of pinpoint on but you you were trying if you access like the origin or genius of a story exactly. and you express yeah. it in a timeless way hopefully that could play out 10 years 20 years later and still be relevant right yeah and still yeah. connect to people emotionally because we're connecting on a more human human feeling i i think i i think if you, i think if you look at the title sequence for dexter or true blood or the the stuff you guys did for the cosmopolitan you know those are different 
projects, but they all feel exactly what you said. Those, I think it, they last the test of time. They, 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 they're still, you know, worthwhile. Yeah. And that's, I appreciate that. I think that's like the, the ultimate, ultimate compliment, honestly, for yeah. a creative is if it still resonates years later and, you know, I CES was going on this this year in Vegas, and so I had a bunch of friends that went down there and stayed at the Cosmopolitan. And all of our foundational content that's from 14 years ago is still playing and still feels oh, wow. feels yeah. relevant. Um, and that I think is probably one of the like coolest things about doing things in architecture and doing things where you you blur the line between um, what's materials and what's media is yeah. that that like it's now a bedrock of a place and of an environment um so yeah i mean i think that's uh that's kind of the root of what i tr i try and do with every project is is understand it at a level that allows it to um kind of express itself almost you it's know? interesting that a lot of the people that i knew who worked at dk people like uh, Danny Young, Eric Anderson, Mark Bayshore, Ryan Summers, Nick Campbell. I, you know, there's a long mm -hmm. list of names that went on to do great things, and they're in 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 different areas, even some more technical, some more conceptual. But everybody made a name for themselves, or a lot of the people made a name for themselves. So that was a great school. I I, I was fortunate enough to work on a couple of things at DK many many years ago, and actually the first thing I worked on. <laughs> At Digital Kitchen as a freelancer was screens for the Microsoft Store uh, environment. So that was yeah. I was I was thrown into that one. That was a big project, I think, at the time. Um, that was huge. That was a big one, yeah. And uh, I got to work with you know I I got along really well with Mark Bayshore. Um, I worked with you later on with on on a couple of things. I didn't really have that huge of an involvement with with a company, but I uh, I felt like I was every project was a learning as a learning opportunity, and I I just I just took that opportunity to heart, and mm -hmm. and even even today when I'm writing up uh, presentations and you have to do the write up to to kind of defend your ideas, I, I I still remember I had access to a few presentation decks back in the day at dk and those are really amazing just the writing on on those was really you know it was it was almost if you would read it almost like a book it was pro prosaic it really felt like it had some emotion to it it's not your standard presentation i really enjoyed those so i i still carry those with me yeah no that's that's awesome i think i actually learned that you know the best design studios have really good writers and that was yeah. from my my early internship at kudel partners because we were we were basically a blog that wrote about design yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and jim kudel who ran kudel partners was a copywriter but he could express you know creativity through the simplest of words and i'm like that's powerful so you know I, when when then going to dk it was a similar thing like treatments directors treatments were one thing but to like convince somebody to like hand over their precious baby that is a television show yeah. to like create you know the opening it, you know what i mean 
it's like you have to find something that's meaningful and truthful for them you know because it is their baby and they're giving it over to like to you and so writing is super powerful um you know Sarofsky was great at it Aaron um yeah yeah. you know and and so many people there were just really good at, at at that part of motion or that part of motion design or whatever you want to call it um because that's where ideas kind of can be born from you know uh and and actually it it still is the same today i mean even on um this uh, the Lord of the Rings project mm-hmm. that I worked with uh, Katrina and Mark um, through Plains of Yonder, you know, they, we approached that through the lens of how does the source material produce this idea? We're not going to come up with it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, right. we're not going to invent something that we can put on top of Lord of the Rings for crying out loud, that's going to be new. It's going to come from Tolkien himself. It's got to, like it has to. So when we were presented that idea, the first thing I did was just like go to the library and, and pull up all of his works and just kind of go through as much as I could. And, you know, this Rings of Power was telling the story previous of the movies it was the like thousand years before the hobbit right like so this is kind of like going back and so like anything you know there's an origin story to every brand to every superhero to every fantasy there's some sort of reason why it exists and sure enough in the the similar cimmerillion which is the uh, tolkien's version of like the bible basically it's a very hard read (laughs) <laughs> There's an element of there where he describes the creation of Middle Earth and the universe and how the gods called the Ainur sung the world and the universe. Into it's kind of like it's kind of like a blueprint for the whole thing, right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's it's every fantasy novel, you know, author plays God. Yeah. They do. Yeah. They create the physics of the universe and then they adhere to it and they break the rules. And I'm like, that's cool. So we're like, well, you don't get too many opportunities to play God. So why don't we try <laughs> and depict this idea of the of the creation of Middle Earth right. in in film? And that's kind of where that idea came from. Were you guys were you guys scared? Because I, I I have this really this really big question on that project because it takes me from what you were saying about DK and that upbringing and the learning about the uh, the core principles of a project and finding the truth. And then later on to something like this for the Rings of Power, you know, how scared were you guys to present something like that for a show like this? Because, I mean, uh, traditionally, there's a bunch of stuff you could present that are more traditional approaches. This is clearly very different. And how scared were you? And how, how, how hard of a sell was it to sell this to the client? Or was it one of those where it just clicked? Well, they, you know, the showrunners um, were pretty, pretty new and they had a project. This was one of their first like big, big projects. Right. Mm-hmm. So they actually came to Mark and Katrina um, because of, of some other titles. I'm not sure which ones. Um, but what they briefed them on was we want something simple, stark, and that isn't like what you would imagine 
we would okay. make for the show. That was the brief. And we had no good. scripts to go off of. And we just basically had that. And they, and, and this is the other reason why I went to the text is that in podcast, I, I kind of obsessed about the showrunners for a little bit because I was like, oh, I got to get into their brains to see what they really think. <laughs> so I listened to some podcasts of them talking and they always talked about in the writer's room, they would, they go back to the text. Like they would, mm -hmm. when they were stuck, they would go back to the tech because and so i'm like okay there's a they appreciate that so so in regards to the question of were we scared to present it no i think we really truly believed in it we also mm -hmm. had other ideas it wasn't right. that wasn't the only one right, um, but right. we when we when mark katrina and i got together and i i kind of showed them this thought they're like you know there's there's, there's very few moments where it's like that's we got to make that we got to figure out how to how to convince them to yeah. do it and when we pitched it you know we didn't have visuals for the first page it was the music of the Ainur we want to capture the raw kind of qualities of the creation of Tolkien's universe and in that first sentence they were like <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> you know wow. I mean? and then then we got to the level of like but we want to do it through a phenomenon that is real in our world to try and show that there might be a blurring of what is a fantasy world with our reality. Um, and I'm obsessed with science. Uh, I did two and a half years running exhibitions at the Museum of Science and Industry here in yeah. Chicago. So yeah. I had known about what cymatics and cladney plates can do and how sound can vibrate material. And so it was like, that's really the only in real world phenomenon that can show the the visualization of sound and it was rooted in this like truth of dirt and grit and blood and earth and all of the things in which middle earth was about so it was like it kind of it kind of was like we have to pitch this yeah. and so um, no that's that's what yeah. i love about about you guys and working together the three of you on the projects you've worked together is is that you you can really you know, just in the idea that you can present something without visuals and the idea is so strong that the client will understand it and will be very excited about seeing visuals for it, for something like cymatics and, and being based on, on, on the song and, and how that and all the patterns you guys work with and how those things can be analyzed and overanalyzed by the fans over the, over the course of the show. You know that's just that's brilliant, and that's what I love about the work that you guys do. And um, and when I watch the show, uh, and you know every time that the main titles play out, um, you feel like it's talking to you. It's not like it's not one of those or the majority of main titles is something that you look at that you watch. You might get something out of it, a feeling or a tone, or so. Or hopefully, you'll get a mood out of it, but. These titles, these sort of titles, they, they kind of talk to you and you're listening because you know there's something there you're not really understanding, but you want to find out because they're, they're not shoved in your face. They bring you in. And that's kind of the, and I see that with Rings of Power. I, I saw that with uh, White Lotus. I kind of, I also kind of see that with Gaslight that you guys worked on, that you worked on. Those, those main, that's the sort of main titles that pull you in rather than jump at you you know what i mean does that make sense oh yeah i love that i mean i think you're kind of scratching the surface of what i like about um 
timeline based <laughs> media, I guess you could say, yeah. is that there's an is that you have to. I like uncontrollable things. I like when you aren't so necessarily tight, or you're 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 in, you're really trying to create an idea if a great idea is so good it's got to be uncontrollable like you you have to let it do its thing it's it's very that's the definition of experimental in a yeah, sense yeah, yeah. That's a good way and, to put it. and honestly you know the yeah the the cymatic stuff is like we were trying to like control i don't know some other spirit <laughs> you know what i mean like you 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 we wanted to create these shapes that could come out of this that were tied to the the lore but we didn't want to make it like you said right on the nose it wasn't trying to like shove it in your face it was like well we have to represent the idea of these two trees right which are huge mm -hmm. icons within the show but we're not going to make trees we're going to make cymatics that look like trees <laughs> like exactly exactly and so it the it was but it was also like we don't know what that's going to be until we try it and and see what's what forms out of it and then how can we utilize the amazing team that we worked with um, to try and rein it in with, you know, uh, CG simulations and, and a combination of, you know, mm -hmm. what we shot and then the stuff we produced in the box. Um, but at a lot of the times it was like, well, we don't really know what this section is. I remember Mark, we had <laughs> in the early on in the edits, we just used like the reference of stuff we had shot and stuff we kind of wanted to feel like. And then there was like written words on the screen of like, this is kind of where we think like a snake creature will go, but we don't know what it's going to be. You know, it wasn't storyboarded. Like we didn't storyboard the thing. It was like we experimented and found what could work. And you found and, it. Yeah. 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 And yeah. and it was uncontrollable. And like, I love that. I love work in which you have to hand over the journey to the idea and the execution and just let it do its thing and see where it goes. And, and feel it out man it's like it's like improvisational or improvisational jazz or fusion yeah, or whatever yeah. you want to from a music yeah. standpoint it's it surprises the more it's, yeah. yeah the more it's it's like overproduced music man like a lot of the stuff that's put on the world is overproduced and you feel it and so how do you get back to its root and exactly and like rawness no it's totally 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 agree with you and uh I think it shows. I think I think it really. I think it, it really. It, it seems like you're also partial to live action, right? Because because you know, live action is the medium where uh, you set the parameters and then you you find the the good stuff. You find the gold. It, you're not creating it from scratch. So so one, you have more fun with it because it surprises you, and it's a lot more fun. The process is a lot more fun. Mm -hmm. You and you get your ass out of the chair also because that, that's a big one for me. And it's just in the end result is always is, there's always this kinetic energy to it. So it seems like you're kind of partial for live actions and most of the stuff that I I see from from your work. Um, and even for even for something very different that I I love to get into as well the um the the, the cosmopolitan screens mm -hmm. that was that was mostly live action right because the the shadows moving and stuff. Yeah, um, a majority of that was live action. We, um, Chad Ashley was a big part of that project too, um, mm -hmm. and you know uh, Jeremy Stewart, um, 
uh, Jason Nesser, a few bunch of other people. There's a, a whole slew of people, Mark. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to miss names everywhere. But yeah, <laughs> with that one, it was that goes back to the, the beginnings of experience design and how, you know, you had these kind of like very, very simple ways in which motion graphics were generative and kind of placed in the screens. Right. Yeah. And this, no one had brought like a cinematic or production level value because a it costs a ton of money. No, no one would dare invest that type of money into something like that back then. Now it's more common for a brand, but really the confluence of our thinking and a brand like the cosmopolitan who was very story driven and had a, the money to do it <laughs> just <laughs> was the opportunity to try it yeah. and i think you know you know we we were playing with things like volume um because these were columns and what we could do to you know break that illusion uh, you know it was i like to call it because it is the lobby of a hotel it was the title sequence to your stay <laughs> yeah, that yeah. it is the introduction not from a marketing standpoint but from That's a cool. feel standpoint of what you wanted your story to be when you left that hotel um mm. and so you know it was it was funny because i think the ad agency at the time was was working with them and was trying to cat crack like what the cosmopolitan was about and because we were so Im ingrained into like this idea of capturing the essence of the feel of the place you know the cmo was like you guys get this way better than our ad agency does because <laughs> you're like thinking about the experience and like what it truly means rather than like trying to sell the experience and like and so we ended up making commercials for them and we we built out a, a social club like the idea of experience design then for digital kitchen expanded from it just being making content for a space to right. making experiences and mm. and actually collaborating and conspiring with them to think to dream up a whole new idea on like a social club so i spent like a year and a half designing and thinking up you know how people might have fun in vegas that was a, <laughs> that was a that was a huge project it seems right for a year and a half yeah yeah, it was fun. And, and Mark was a huge part of that, too. And, you know, we talked yeah. about it as like we were presented, hey, we have, you know, I don't know, it was like 40,000 or 60,000 square feet of the hotel hmm. blank page. What do you guys want to do with it? OK, uh, they want to make a social club. OK, well, what does that mean for Cosmopolitan? And we talked about yeah. it, how we, we led from the narrative of the place all the way down to the napkins. Like, how does that story wow. like really play out? And so we got to do some wild, crazy stuff in Vegas with like, um, you know, working with their, um, their show producer and right. figuring out what type of talent made sense, magicians, weird acrobats, like interesting kind of things. And we, yeah, it was, um, it was you like, guys, we were the glue, the glue that held, held that story together. You guys must have some great stories from all we have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And actually, like, this is a great story. Of, you know, I remember sitting in a room because we had developed this concept and they loved it. And we made tone edits for it. So we made, like, you know, ripomatic tone edits for what we wanted this place to be. Mm -hmm. But we never had a name for it. Um, we we called it the Chelsea, which was just like a placeholder name. <clears throat> and so we did a brainstorming session where with the CMO and halfway through it, we're like, God, this like whole strategy around coming up with a name is just awful. 
And so someone had mentioned because we were in Vegas, it's like, well, how do they how do they name racehorses? Like that's just about feel. Like you know, when you go to the racehorse and you're like, <laughs> or you go to the racetrack and you're like, I don't know anything about horses. Like that one's kind of got a cool name. I'm gonna put that one. Like it, it, it's purely an emotional thing. Yeah. And you can look at the record, but honestly, no one does that. You want to pick the fun name. <laughs> and so I started researching like why racehorse names were interesting, and I there's this book. It's called Meaningful Racehorse Names. It's like literally what it's called. There's a book. It's a, yeah, there's a book. It's just it's just a list of racehorse names. And I noticed like a pattern of like stories being the ones that were most resonant with me. And they often had three words. They were like, you know, batteries not included was a racehorse name or um, smokestack lightning. Like really interesting like combinations of words. And so we went back and we were like, we know the feel of this place we want to make. We don't know in its name. Let's put up words on a wall and combine them in weird ways and see what happens. And so that's what we ended up doing. And that's that's how we came up with the name Rose Rabbit Lie as the name of yeah. this experiment in Vegas, um, which that's then awesome. influenced like the design throughout. Yeah, that's 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 very very cool story. So um, you, it seems like you're you're big on research, right? You do a lot of research. That's the, is that like Tons. the first. Is that like the first thing you do ever on a project to dive yeah, into it? Yeah, uh, dive into it. I mean, like if I, my my bookmarks on my website, or at least on my homepage, are um, are all like research-based. Like it's academia.com, Wikipedia, it's uh, onelook.com, which is all about words. Um, right. Yeah, it, and it's like, I like, I like going back in time or in deep, areas to find things like the unforgotten is kind of what i like to dig it up like there's something there that no one has discovered but when they do it's like that's that's a really interesting thing to pull into the present day versus a lot of people thinking about like what's the newest thing what's the future thing what's the like trendy thing what's the thing i can kind of latch on to now i like approaching it like by looking to what what has been forgotten and how can we bring that to today so yeah it's a lot of research a lot of books a lot of you know going to a used bookstore for instance and just walking the hall and see like if there's something that kind of strikes me as like an area a general area where this might be good and then talking to the bookshop owner and be like tell me about this thing like what is this you know like i like finding blogs or websites that look like they were hand-coded in html because that's usually where interesting ideas lie versus you know (laughs) versus the ones that look all fancy and and pretty so yeah it's a lot of that that's a that's that's a little bit of an an indiana jones approach to to projects (laughs) and i uh, i love that because i i try and do the same not to that level but i i uh i kind of try and, and and i i can see it I can, I can see the end result of doing that in something like Gaslit, because um, uh, not only is is the optical, uh, you know, actually shot off the screen effect beautiful, but I noticed something really interesting, and I think I saw a glimpse of that in the in the behind the scenes piece where you went back and looked at the font that they used back in the day, because the the little yellow font that actually has the episode mm-hmm. name, I, I think. You actually went back and looked at what that font was, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the show is takes place in the 70s, so it makes sense to we were trying to replicate a little bit of that, but I dove like headfirst into typography on that one and was like, 
there's, you know, what, what is this font? And I ended up finding it. It was called like CBS 16. It was this like, um, mm-hmm. unique, you know, typeface that existed maybe for like two years on a, an obscure system that was used to generate graphics for TV back then. And mm-hmm. I found the manual for it. And in that manual was like the specimen. And I was like, screenshot that because <laughs> that the font didn't exist like to download anywhere. Like you couldn't get it. So, you, so I ended up, you know, <laughs> retracing it. Oh, and really? then, oh, wow. Yeah. And then we're not retracing. I ended up like Photoshopping the letters out um, right. and, you know, creating the titles with that. Right. And then I um, found, I actually had purchased this right here, sitting next to me on my desk here. I purchased a old Montgomery Ward television from a garage sale, like probably like 10 years ago. I actually had it in my office at DK, never turned it on for years. It was kind of just like a cool thing to have when people came in the office, like, oh, that's cool TV. Mm. And so I actually had it in my basement. I remember talking to Mark, I'm like, you know, we can't make this thing with Boris effects or it's just going to look garbage. It's going to look like you used a plugin. And so I'm like, I have this old TV. I don't know if it works. It's a tube TV. It's from 1953 or something. I plugged it in and it worked and I'm like, okay, now I got to figure out how to hook my computer up to this thing <laughs> and get a signal to it. And yeah. so I, YouTube, man, they'll, I, I typed in YouTube, how do you oh, really? up these old TVs? And someone, <laughs> someone had an answer and like listed out all of the things I needed to buy. So I went on Amazon right away. I bought like four converters. It had to go from, it had like the two prongs in the back that hook up to, yeah. you know, analog. So mm-hmm. I had to go to that, to a coaxial, coaxial to RCA, RCA to HDMI. So there was like four or three steps to getting into my computer. And I and when I turned it on and it worked, I'm like, this is insane. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, so all I did was make a Photoshop file of the word gaslit, dragged it over as like my second monitor was this vintage oh, TV. Oh, okay, cool. Nice. Um, made it full screen and then tweaked the knobs in the back until I thought I got a cool thing <laughs> and then filmed it with um you know filmic pro on my phone and sent it over to mark i'm like here edit something kind of fun with this and <laughs> and it, it you can't you can't make that with a plugin it's not it's not gonna happen it's, it just won't and yeah you no, won't I, get that vibe so i agree yeah, yeah yeah no that was yeah that was a pretty cool one and it's uh i know that i know the mark is really into editing because I remember he really liked editing, even back at, at DK. And I remember when I was pitching with with him on the main titles for White Lotus, the first season, I was working on a couple of, of concepts. And he had this idea that he talked to me about. And he, he was asking me if it was too crazy. He wanted to, um, to do like um, one of those promotional videos for hotels, like a really cheesy one. And mm-hmm. but cut it up with a music with a sort of a music that really was contrasting with the really boring imagery of showing a, showing a hotel. Here's a lobby. Here are the rooms and all that stuff. And he was asking me, "Is it too crazy?" And I was like, "Dude, that's like that's perfect." Yeah. <laughs> and 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 I was to me, I felt very Mark because uh, just the idea yeah. of t- taking footage and combining it in a different way with the music that makes it feel differently. Um, but you know the actual titles that that made it are awesome. But I, I've always wondered what it was, was going to look like to have something like <laughs> like a, pro, a promotional cheesy video for, for yeah for a, a hotel for yeah. a resort yeah 
Yeah, and that goes back to that thought of like the past. Like, what is what is the thing that we forgot about, right? That's that right. like it's presented right. to you in a way that's like, oh, because there's feelings that you have when you associate with those things. It, it all comes down to like the feel and emotion of something, man. Like the rules of cin- cinema or the rules of whatever design industry you're in. Yeah. Like, you know, I, Scorsese talks about this all the time, especially in his edits. Like, he doesn't care about continuity; he cares about what feels right. Yeah. And like to me, that's true to any sort of medium in art or commercial art or design it's like yeah you're gonna set your rules and your boundaries but like you know if it's not working don't don't do it that way what is the thing that gets like your insides moving right like and the best editors do that man they don't they find that magical balance it's like music it's like any sort of performance art you can't describe what it is you just have to like have the muscle memory and the feel of it to get it right and yeah roger deacons talks about that quite often on the team deacons podcast that i listen to a lot he always talks about that the uh, the importance of the feeling of the shot or the the uh, the Mm -hmm. sequence of shots and not so much the the rules of continuity and all that crap um right yeah so i so we were talking about your uh at this point you were at dk for 17 years and we kind of jumped to the to the later portions of, of your career, but then you you had a stint at the Museum of Science for a bit. Yeah, it's the yeah. Um, Museum of Science and Industry here in Chicago. Uh, it was actually, you know, it's the world's or the largest museum in the uh, Western Hemisphere. It's huge. Um, if you're in Chicago, okay. definitely right. worth going to. Right. Um, and I always loved science. I mean, I've always been a huge fan of science. I kind of think that speaks to the experimental nature of like how my brain works and like my interest in research. Um, and so I'd always, as I was developing the experience design practice at Digital Kitchen, you know, that museum is just, is always kind of a dream to go try that and try something that really connects with, you know, changing um, kids' lives, right? Like you, the work we put out in the world, right? In entertainment and branding or whatever, you know, it has an impact, but it, you know, it's not changing children's lives. And I'm like, that could be kind of meaningful. Yeah. That could be kind of interesting. And so the role came up um, and I had a friend over there who was like, Hey, you should come over here. Cause they were looking to try to do something different. Um, and yeah. And so I led a team of 65 people that included wow. exhibit exhibit designers all the way down to the union technicians who fix the giant tornado. And so, like, you're exposed to, like, a wide range of PhD thinking people who are exploring, like, the cutting edge of what science is doing and how education, science education could impact our community in Chicago, all the way to, you know, the guy who's a super, super crazy electrical engineer who knows how to fix the coal (laughs) mine ride in the underground belly of of this, like, uh, this this leftover of the white city which is what the museum of science industry is it's um right. the fine arts fine arts building of of the uh century of progress world's fair uh 18 whatever so you 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 went from you went from leading teams at at dk at, by the end of your your yeah. your stint there large teams i i suppose and then you went to the museum also you know running a 65 people team and uh mm-hmm. now now i guess you're mostly on your own doing stuff like gaslit where you have a screen and you're you're 
you're twisting knobs and shooting off screen. How do you how do you re reconcile the difference of scales there? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> you know, I think it's all the same in a way. It's just the medium is different. Like my principles when I make things that go on a monitor that millions of people watch or whatever through streaming are the same mm -hmm. as to thinking about how a person walks through an exhibition or a retail experience or, um, you know, uh, anything like that, where there's a physicality to it. It's it's the same human behavior is, doesn't change no matter where you're at. The way you feel about certain things doesn't change. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a truth in like, I talk about belonging a lot, like how um, we're in a moment in time right now where, you know, that feeling of belonging is actually missing in a lot of people's lives. Um, yeah. you know, COVID didn't, didn't help that situation. Um, but when you truly like love something, you have an, a sense of belonging to what it is that that brand represents or that shows telling you, or, you know, it's a deeper, it's a deeper fundamental need. And so like within the element of public space or exhibitions or, retail or hospitality, you know, caring for somebody is actually a big part of it, right? Mm -hmm. And how you how you address their need in that moment. And the story that you can tell to amplify that feeling of belonging plus whatever it is that that brand is trying to have you belong to is yeah. is interesting. Um, and so, yeah, and it's to me, it's not, there's no difference. It's just the the way the medium that it exists in and that actually i learned that at dk too because we we moved from a production company to more of a an agency where we were coming up with marketing ideas for these brands and these television shows and part mm -hmm. of the part of the brief was um make anything to generate buzz about true blood westworld whatever it was right. and that's as blank page as it gets and you're like well okay i need to come up with a core idea a big idea and then i can make it be an activation, a television uh, commercial, uh, a yeah. radio thing, uh, or a vegetable. Like fucking, I don't know. It could be any of those things. <laughs> so, yeah. like, you can't. I, I don't. I don't try and um, um, make the medium kind of define what I like right. to to do. You you're, so that's uh, why you're excited by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, I was just gonna say you're excited by the challenge. Not so you, you don't really care about if it's a large team, a small team, just you, whatever. It's, yeah. it's, it's the, the challenge will will dictate what we need to do, right? That's what gets you. Yeah, and so um, you know the in between the moment I left the museum, which was um, impacted by COVID, and when I founded this little consultancy and design studio thing called Tonos. Mm -hmm. um, I had a year and a half off where I was diagnosed with cancer. And so I spent oh, like wow. a year and a half of my life just going through that situation. And I, you know, COVID happened. Um, my daughter was born, my third child was born. And then I found out I had cancer like a few months after that. And so I quickly went into chemotherapy and then surgery and then radiation and I had some complications after that. So I had like a year and a half of like oh, not okay. doing anything, zero, just focusing on my health and having yeah. <laughs> my wife catered to everything. It was awful. And you know, that was the moment yeah. in time where I'm like, well, 
the universe is basically telling me to like here's your chance to maybe do something meaningful yeah. and different and so that's kind of where i was like well i don't want to go back and run a studio again or or do anything let's just stay home with family and and find a, a way that mm -hmm. i can do that <laughs> and i was fortunate enough to have so many amazing people that I worked with in the past that I just called them up and be like, Hey, you got any work to kind of do together out of my basement? And That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So I was fortunate enough to do that. Now, so, oh, yeah. So, so sorry to hear about that, 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 um, that you had cancer. I don't know how hard that can be, obviously, but uh, are you okay now? Is it, are you? Yeah. Doing, yeah. hundred percent, man. I've never had so much energy now. I mean, it uh it's in remission it's 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 good so you just have That's to keep good. an eye on it now um yeah. but yeah, yeah there was yeah. a couple of moments there where after i had my second surgery i went back in the hospital and was in the hospital for like two weeks uh because of a complication in my neck and mm. uh yeah it was it was as low as you could pretty much get <laughs> but you know yeah I was not thinking about creativity at that moment. It was more about like, sure. what, it, what is, what is it that I want to yeah. focus on keep coming out of this, you know? And, um, yeah. yeah, man. Yeah. Good for you, man, that you, uh, get out of that and you, uh, you're doing good and doing great actually. Yeah. That's, that's, no, that's it's, great. it's, uh, it, it's wild, man. I never thought like coming out of that, like I would end up, having the chance to work with Howard Shore and the Lord sure. of the Rings team. Out of, it's fucking crazy. I mean, like, seriously, it's like, what? You know what I mean? And and so, yeah, I count my blessings every day on, like, the fact that it was able to rebound and have a support yeah. team, not only my family, but, like, my colleagues and friends who helped me get opportunities um, after that. That's so, wonderful. Yeah. That's well-deserved, my friend. Well-deserved. I wanted to kind of kind of ask you about something else that I have here on my list of questions. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you're you've always been based out of Chicago, and I'm based in in Portugal. Uh, and I know it's <laughs> there's a difference there, but uh, do you find that being in Chicago and not being in Los Angeles makes it different, makes it harder. What's your experience there? That's a good question. I mean, you actually have um quite a f interesting confluence of culture in this city and i think there's a there's an element of like you know that chicago's always you know second now third probably when you think about cities and in, mm -hmm. in the country new york la chicago kind of makes its way up there but i like the fact that everyone forgets about us <laughs> you know what i mean like i and honestly you know there's an element of like not being in the industry noise all the time or not being mm -hmm. on the coast is refreshing. And that's why I think a lot of the work out of Seattle is really interesting or like, because it's yeah. just your, your, your environment is giving you different inputs, right. you know, and I can't, every time I go to LA or whatever, there's an energy there or even New York, man, there's like an energy there that I love. I love it. Mm -hmm. um, but it's something I can only take for like, a weekend <laughs> oh yeah and i'm, I, and I'm ready you. to like i'm ready to kind of go back and i think it it comes down to the to the element of like those places are so go 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 they're all about future they're all about what's next they're all about like yeah. this pointing in that direction which some people thrive in and really enjoy that and make amazing 
really pushing boundaries on that shit. And for me, I just can't operate like that, man. Like I said, I kind of like things rooted in truth and history. Not saying that those aren't mm-hmm. at all, but Chicago just has like we we're built on a fire. We're built on like destruction. We're built on, you know, yeah, you know, th- there's there's something kind of interesting about this place that um, that I like. I don't know. It's, it, it's a different, yeah. It's definitely a different vibe. I'm sure. But do you do you feel that you you've you you maybe missed opportunities or lost gigs or that sort of thing just by not being in Los Angeles, for instance? And no. the reason I'm asking is because mm-hmm. people have asked me me about you know it, did I feel that by not being in America at all did I miss yeah. on stuff? Did it, what's the difference there? And I kind of wonder what your take on that is. <clears throat> I mean, I don't think so. I mean, especially now with, you know, any opportunity, like the the blurring of the lines between locations is is completely gone. I mean, even if I think about like the team we had to put together for Rings of Power, it was Seattle, L.A., Chicago, um, Madrid, uh, London, New Zealand. Like that was the team. And we had one hour in which we could all get together on the same phone call to talk <laughs> creatively. Otherwise it was all asynchronistic like work. Like yeah, everyone yeah. was kind of, you know, doing things and passing stuff around. And that happened during COVID. So we had no production server. It was right. it was it was all <laughs> like centralized, but crazy. And so the opportunities are with the ideas, not the location, man. Like if if you can, you know cultivate ideas and and show people that you yeah it doesn't matter where you're location doing it, doesn't it's matter. about why yeah. yeah like why you do it like that's yeah i actually find i actually find that, that when i worked at with bk when i started out as a freelancer i was fortunate enough, enough to work with a company that had i think four offices right it was seattle chicago los angeles and new york at a certain point yeah and I remember um, they didn't really give a fuck if I, if I was in Portugal or Chicago or Los Angeles. They didn't really care. They didn't. They never asked, actually. <laughs> and I think I, they were surprised when they found out that I was in Europe. And they, they didn't care. And I, was, I found that very interesting. I've always felt that if they don't care, then why do I care? It doesn't really matter. So, yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's all about the work. Yeah. Right? And honestly, like, Working with whoops, sorry, working with somebody that is from a small town in I don't know wherever Austria, Linz, like yeah. the creativity that's happening in that city, it's just not it's not exposed to other people. I mean, like Ars Electronica, which is an amazing festival in Linz, is a small little town, and the stuff they're doing there is just mind blowing. <laughs> and you're like. Mm-hmm. Go there, go to that festival, and you will see some amazing stuff that like blurs the line between science and art and creativity. And it it's it doesn't matter where you are, man. It's you could be in the smallest little village and and still have an influence now, especially that resonates globally or mm-hmm. resonates with somebody in Toledo, Ohio, or wherever. Uh, so it, man, I don't know. It's it's ideas are not tied to. The place in which they are birthed from, you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I I, uh, I remember when I worked on a couple of 
the first time I worked on an NFL package of all things, mm-hmm. uh, somebody reached out. They wanted me to pitch on it, and I was like, "Are you sure? I don't understand a thing about <laughs> NFL." That's awesome. And they, and they were like, "That's precisely why we want you." <laughs> because <laughs> we want something that doesn't live here that isn't exposed to the media blitz isn't an american and has its european sensibility and i'm like, oh, okay that makes sense yeah it's that's awesome dude i love that thought and i and i think you know i i actually made a post about this on my blog about um you know i, I like to look turn to like mother nature for inspiration about like what is the true nature of creativity right like I talk a lot about like fundamental truths and human behavior and stuff like that mm-hmm. but even in just how mother nature operates as a system it's the most creative thing you could possibly look at right yeah. um it's creating things all the time that are way more brilliant than what mid-journey is ever going to come up with um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know the most there's these kind of points in um in nature called ecotones which is actually part of why i came up with the name tonos i can get back to it later anyways oh, but okay. ecotones are these um are these places where like the sea meets the shore or uh, the forest meets the valley it's that like right, the blend right. point between two extreme climates and the most diverse bio like diversity in biology and experimentation and evolution is actually accelerated in those like overlapping points where two extreme habitats come together. Mm. And so to me, that's what creativity is about. It's like, it's when two ideas that are unrelated are mashed together and be inform something completely new. And so like your NFL um, from <laughs> Portugal approach <laughs> is uh is yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. like an it's like an ecotone, man. It's yeah, that's where new ideas come from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So why did why did you call the studio tonos? Precisely because of that. Or, yeah. yeah, it's um, I mean, at first off, everybody's like, oh, like Sonos. I'm like, yeah, kind of, but the <laughs> you know, there was an element of like, my name's Anthony, so Tony was kind of influenced in that. Um, mm-hmm. Also, tone and the word tonos means the inflection in like Greek on Greek alphabet. In the alphabet it's like the little thing that is over a, an emphasis of a letter um okay. which means the tone of that letter or like the way yeah. in which that letter is like spoken and i thought that's kind of interesting as like what i do it's it i help bring the emphasis of that thing yeah more and also tonos means tension it means like what i just talked about with the ecotone it means two two things two pulling things or pushing on each other so yeah. i'm like you know what? Most people won't know what the hell this means, but it's meaningful <laughs> to me. So, yeah. um, and actually I, I was working with Mark on like, I sent him like 40 names and he was like my sounding board for like what these names would be. I had, you know, just generic things. And, and yeah, and it, it just kind of bubbled up that that and was the one that I had, had to register. That's, <laughs> it, it, it's funny. Cause um, now that you kind of explain the name, it makes a lot of sense that you would choose that name. And it, Makes also makes sense that Mark's company and Katrina's company is named Planes of Yonder, because I, I to me that really encapsulates who Mark is to me and the way they do things about the world and his personality. I think it's Planes of Yonder is really a good way to put it. And um, yeah, and, and if I talk about myself, my company is named Foreign Affairs, and it's Foreign Affairs because you know obviously I'm foreign. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm doing foreign affairs for the U.S. So I, I found that that was kind of a fun, fun. I, I always love. Yeah, yeah, I love your name. It's, it's it's an awesome name. It's super good. 
No, thank you. And I just love the way that it sounds, <laughs> which is kind of important too, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So um, what else? What else? Yeah, okay. So what's your, uh, I think we've covered a lot. What's your, you know, your general opinion on, uh, I'm very interested in, and knowing this, what's your opinion on the state of the industry at large? And if you want to go into main titles specifically, what's your mm-hmm. how things are right now? How do you feel? Um, well, I mean, I think you know, the streaming age and the golden age of television has given so many artists opportunities to to do things, to, to like express mm-hmm. themselves in ways that I don't think were possible back when it was just like HBO Showtime and Cinemax or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and that to me is just like awesome. It's it's so cool to just, you know, I don't consider myself a title designer. I, I don't I don't think of myself that way. <laughs> um, so it's hard for me to like be like, hey, I think the industry is, <laughs> you know, like I'm not an expert title designer. I'm not. I, I don't think of it that way. Um, and so. For me, I'm just excited about like when people are doing something that's just never been experimented on before and and are like exposed to, you know, storytelling in new ways. And I think it's it's a tough it's a tough nut to crack, man. It's, um, you know, that skip button is there. Yeah. And that that mean, that means a lot, man. It, it it it's interesting when you put out something in the world and it's instantly judged as like um you know by a fan base. Yeah. It's interesting to like have that level of feedback and I don't think that's healthy for people in certain ways to like <laughs> scroll Twitter and see what people think of your work in real time. That's always <laughs> a, a nightmare. But no, it's uh it's I don't know. You know, I think it'll be interesting to see where entertainment in general goes, especially as like these new technologies around AR and, and like the way in which we consume entertainment changes in the next 10 years. Um, There's going to be new mediums in which uh, we can experiment in, but the essence of like setting the stage for a story to take place, I think is still always going to be a foundational element of entertainment. It just, people, it's it goes back to belonging it gives you that thing you can connect to that's consistent um no matter where the show kind of like takes you you know and it kind of grounds you in in something and that's why it's so important to to get there and i think maybe some of the stuff i've seen has lost a little bit of sight of that um but you know i don't know there's so much good stuff out there and do you think that or do you feel like uh, there might be um a pushback to uh so there's so so much content right now on, on streaming and all of these platforms and mm-hmm. even you know the, the fact that ai is mass producing imagery now and photography on instagram there's a lot of a lot right there's a lot of content with a lot of stuff going on and do you feel like there might be because I, I kind of see it start now is there's a pushback to you know superhero films and uh, true crime stories and all the stuff we've seen over and over and over. And uh, I think people are ready for going back to do more of an auteur perspective uh, on things. Uh, I kind of feel like we're starting to see that a little bit. People are tired of the, the mass produced stuff. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely true. I think what you're seeing now is because of algorithms and 
and things <laughs> in which you're fed the content you like you're just you're seeing the niches that you want right you're yeah. the i still think there's going to be a massive um love for the blockbustery shows and things like that yeah for sure but for instance like the there is a big niche with art films right it's just you don't hear about that in the noise of social media as much as you do the other things so it's 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 a matter of i think like finding that stuff man and finding your home when it comes to what you like to do what you like to consume uh, because there's always going to be someone out there making something that resonates with you so i don't know if it's necessarily a backlash it's kind of more of like we're we're fine everyone's finding their personalized algorithmic lane to fit into um but there has been i think the peak of spending from like you know the the world of entertainment on content because covid just accelerated it man like we were all home watching stuff <laughs> yeah <that's laughs> so true. it 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 now you know maybe it to me i look at it more as maybe a a return back to experience not experiential but experiences and thinking through what are the things that are like get me out into the world meeting people doing things that way and how can yeah. um you know how can i spend my time and energy and money on on those type of things and what's the uh, what's the future for for tonos for your studio what what's your uh, no idea, idea? <laughs> <laughs> i mean it, it's funny people always ask me like about goals and stuff like i don't know like i've always been at the whims of the universe and kind of like you know you wake up every day and be like hey universe show me what i need to know today and where do i need to go and that's kind of where i'm going to step my foot forward so yeah. um with tonos it's like you know uh the analogy that i, I like to give is is as I started like my career, when I talked about the digital kitchen thing, like, mm-hmm. or even the, the Cadell thing, like standing at the top of a mountain in a way, looking down at the valley, it's not, it, and I don't mean that to say that I like was at a position that was like higher than everybody else early in my career. That's not what I mean. What I, what I mean is like, stop thinking of your career path as climbing the mountain up and start thinking of it as like standing up here saying, I can do this. And there's a whole valley of opportunity down below me. And what I'm going to do is just roll off this way and see where it takes me. And as I collect more snow and trees and cabins and skiers and whatever, my influence is going to get bigger, but I'm still at the will of the mountain. The mountain and the world and the environment is going to still shape and push me the way it needs to go. I just generally want to get to that down there. And I think that's how I've always looked at my career. And that's how I always look at what my I don't even call it a business. It is a business. It's me um, yeah. right now is I'm halfway down this mountain and it's, you know, it's a medium sized snowball. See where it goes. I think that's a really healthy way to put it. Well, I really think so. All right. Um, I think, yeah, I think we've about, I think covered everything. It, um, it's been awesome. I, I think well, one last thing is I kind of asked Daniel the, the same thing. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody you love to hear from? Is there uh, somebody you uh, like for me to get on the podcast and talk to? Is there like a, somebody you admire or an interesting story? Does somebody come to mind? I know. Um, I know. I, we need to get Mark on. <laughs> yeah. Mark, Dude, Mark are you are you looking for people that are outside of our our industry? 
whatever, whatever is, you know, somebody that really you would love to hear from, whoever it is. Yeah. So I was fortunate enough when I worked at the museum to be exposed to some really interesting artists and scientists and things like that. And there's this woman, Banaz Farahi, who is an Iranian born um, mm -hmm. architect turned fashion designer, but she also does a lot of really interesting films and things around her pieces that she builds. Um, and I okay. would definitely, she is amazing. She is one of those people that you're like, you meet and you're like, are you a real person? Like you are so <laughs> brilliant, humble. Your mind works in ways that like, I want to be around you. And she had developed, we commissioned her to develop a, um, we did an exhibition on wearable technology and we commissioned her to build a piece for that. And she made something amazing. And so, and she made a film around it. So I love people who use film as a way, as it is an adjacent to what they do, because they see it as a medium that's important to their process. Um, so yeah, I would, I'd recommend her. Okay. That sounds great. I'm, now I, I'm very interested. <laughs> that's cool. All right, sir. I think that's about it. And um, I want to thank you again. This has been really cool and very cool to nice to, to, um, to finally meet you and talk to you and see you because we've talked on and off for over the years. But, you know, and, and this is kind of, like I said, kind of, kind of the main reason for the podcast is to, to kind of do this. So thank you. Yeah, I'm honored. I'm honored to be uh, here uh, on the show. And really, I mean, again, thank you so much. It's been awesome. All right, sir. Talk to you soon. Thank you.